Open up your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. We continue our study through the Lord's ministry. Chronologically, we are not to the Lord's Supper yet. I will tell you that uh, the references that we will make shortly will be in Luke 22. We're still in Luke 10. I'm on a fairly slow pace, so maybe by next Lord's Supper we will we will be teaching it at the same time as observing it. I'm not sure. I was hoping uh, we would be into the that what's known as the Passion Week uh, by the end of this year, um, but uh, providentially hindered in some ways already. I don't know that we'll get to it until the start of next year. So it will be close. It will be close. We looked this afternoon at the mission of the seventy and their return. Uh, I just want to point out on the map, I flipped it back to the Lord's, the, the pathways of our Lord, as it says here, uh, and it's following what is labeled as 23, if you look it up here, this path here is the same path that we've been on this entire uh, past month. And what we look at today is the mission of the 70 and their return. We're going to read verses 1 through 24 of Luke chapter 10. It says, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that the uh, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways, behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor scrip, which would have been a a leathern sack in which travelers and shepherds carried their provisions. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first turn turn to you again. No, I skipped the line, sorry. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again, and in the same house remain, eating and drinking, such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire, or his reward, or his wages. Go not from house to house, and into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you. Uh, enter, Eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is nigh unto you. And you might mark that phrase. Uh, we're going to see it at least one more time before the end of this text. The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. There it is again. But I say unto you, that it shall be more tolerable in, the day, in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe unto the Chorazon, uh, which it means directly furnace of smoke. Woe unto the Bethsaida, for if, if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted in heaven, shall be thrust down to hell. He that heareth you heareth me, and he that despiseth despiseth you, despiseth me, and he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. And the seventy returned again with joy. So some time has passed before the start of this sentence. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I gave unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. 
and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. So we see rejoicing again, uh, and that's certainly a welcome sight in any sermon. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son, who the Son is, but by the Father, and who, is, and who the Father is, but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned him unto his disciples, and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Uh, if you know the rest of this chapter, which we'll be teaching on, Lord willing, in, in two weeks when I get back, uh, you understand that the Samaritan parable is next, and the lawyer that's asking about everlasting life is asking right after this moment, in response really to these previous verses. What has been hid and revealed uh, is what prompted his asking, well, what do I have to do to assure myself of everlasting life? But we'll deal with that in a couple of weeks. So we have some points here that we, we need to make. Uh, and I'm going to give you, as I, I tend to do, I'm going to give you all the points up front. Uh, our afternoon study doesn't typically break down um, by, to my own fault by memorable points like this one might. Uh, so you forgive me, I made this one a little easier than what we normally do. The first point is that the workers of the field are deployed by the Father. Secondly, the field is destroyed by the enemy. Thirdly, those sent are employed of God and not of man. And fourthly, the fruits are enjoyed as they glorify the Father. And if you're looking at the outline, it's broken down by verse, so you can see where all of that is found. The very first thing we see here in verse 2 is that the workers of the field are deployed by the Father. They are, in a sense, commissioned, though this isn't the Great Commission, they are, in a sense, deployed or commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And He sends them to a specific field. He sent them whither he himself would come. Uh, they were sent to these neighboring cities and places, but they weren't. Uh, it wasn't scatter shot. They weren't just shot out of a cannon to land wherever they might. They were sent specifically to where they were sent. In the very next sentence, we see the Lord refer to the Lord of the harvest, which signifies, once again, our position. We have a therefore here that signifies for us that the very purpose of their sending was to labor and to pray. They had a purpose. They had a work. They had something to abide by and something to fulfill. Uh, I had this outline done before we went into the weekend uh, meeting. And, I, and during Brother Stephen's second message, I kept thinking about the, the penny-a-day parable that he was presenting and how well that lines up with this part. That, and I think I brought it out as he finished preaching that how we are called to pray ye therefore to the Lord of Harvest that he would send forth more laborers but the bitterness of the heart that was presented in his message and in that text was that we, there was a jealousy over what little work some put in, though they received the same wage. Is everlasting life not enough? What more could we hope to earn? But what we hadn't deserved to begin with, what we hadn't really, we're not working off a debt to begin with, we're rejoicing 
in the fields, rejoicing in the weeds as we are sent out to share this good news. It's not necessarily a toiling work in which we're working to survive. We're working with rejoicing in our hearts that all others might abide and enter in with us. We are to be laborers going to the fields and praying for more laborers. Again, remember the commission. We are on the job this very hour. Your testimony is being solidified right now before the brethren. When you leave this place, your testimony will be presented to the world. How will it go? Will it be a faithful testimony? Or will it be hid under a bushel? What kind of work ethic might we have if we are self-employed? Any missed sales, bad financials, all costs our own money. These are not uh, these that are sent out are not working for themselves. They were deployed by Jesus Christ, who had all authority to do so, which he calls to remembrance for them during the Great Commission. And he sent them to places that he had intended to go himself, as we see in the text. Inspecting the fields, pruning the branches, all of that, his work, which we saw a little bit of this morning. The planting and the watering, that is the purpose of our deployment. To plant seeds, to scatter seeds, and to water the seeds that have gone before. Secondly, in verses 3 and 4 really bring this out. We see that the field is destroyed by the enemy. And I ask you again to consider the text there in verse 3 and 4. Go your ways, behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. He's not lying unto them about where they're going. He's not... Uh, the Lord Jesus, perish the thought, is not the first Joel Osteen. He's not telling them that these fields are fields of prosperity and fields of comfort and fields of joy and fields of uh, uh, that they'll never want to leave because they'll love it so much. He's being very forthcoming in telling them that they are sheeps, um, a sheep among wolves, carry neither purse nor script nor shoes and salute no man by the way. So now he's telling them that you cannot take something with you to prepare for how hard it might be in the fields. This might sound like a, a conundrum to those of us who have said, they're coming for our guns. They're coming for our Bibles. Let us be prepared with sword drawn that we might defend such things. You weren't called to defend your Bible. You weren't called to defend your guns. You were called to earnestly contend for the faith. That's the calling upon us to plant seeds and water. You're not shooting the seeds into the ground with guns. You're not fighting the weeds with weaponry. We are called to plant life, essentially, to plant everlasting seeds. So this will seem very disarming because it literally is disarming. I'm sending you to a place that will seem violent, agitated, and dangerous. And you are going out without the equipment you might prefer to have on you. But arm yourselves, as Paul writes later. And what does he tell us to arm ourselves with? Nothing, nothing of violence. All of protection. You're going, to take, uh, you're going to take shots when you're out there. They're going to fire at you. Fiery darts coming at you. But we contend with a, soaping, a sopping wet shield that has been drenched in the word of God that is prepared for such things. Do we need more than that? Do we need more than what the master of the field has told us to take with us? The dangers of the field are made clear. So I ask you to consider, is there something more dangerous than for a lamb to be among wolves? For a sheep to be amongst its 
predator, one seeking to devour it, perhaps. And there is. A lamb that is forsaken completely is a way more dangerous state than for a lamb to be among wolves. We're not called to fear man. And using this metaphor, as sheep, we're not called to fear wolves. This is a stumbling block. This is a great conundrum. What lamb wouldn't fear the wolf? A lamb that's with his shepherd. There is a greater danger for a lamb than being among wolves, and that is to be without his shepherd. Without his shepherd, there's dangerous terrain that could lead to death. There's dangerous food. Uh, If you read uh, Philip Keller's book, there's even the danger of being too much food. A sheep will literally eat itself to death. There's the danger of storms, causing for this little sheep to be even further lost than it once was. But the greatest comfort for a lamb is to not be without wolves, but to be with his shepherd. And this is the promise of this Bible, that we are not forsaken. He who is our shepherd, if we are indeed his sheep, if we are indeed his lamb, he shall never forsake us. I want us to approach the Lord's Supper today, not from a place of despair because our Savior went to the cross, but a place of rejoicing because my Savior's love made this possible. My Savior's love has promised He will be coming back. And this might be the last time we observe this ordinance. Might we rejoice this one time as we partake in this, knowing that it is a picture of eternal glory? Think of Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth, Jesus says. And he comes out bound hand and foot to run into the next chapter with a place at the supper table. And if you're here and you're saved, you have a place at the supper table in glory. I think we can enter into this meal with rejoicing. don't know how lifted my heart was to hear the brother pray before this message that our hearts and minds be made ready. It's one thing to hear the preacher say that over and over, but to hear the membership say, indeed, we are to be prepared for this meal. Because this is more than just a type. This is more than just a meal. If we don't partake with joy in our hearts of this meal here, how will we dine in heaven? How will we dine with our place at the table with the Lord Jesus Christ Himself still bearing the marks of the sacrifice, if not with joy? Will we not be glad that we are there? Let's consider the field. It's been riddled with weeds and thick vines of of Satan's snares and temptations. And by the way, it has been riddled with those weeds and vines since Genesis 3. It contains rocks and boulders of heavy heresy sowed by the harlot and the condemned creepers to cause the elect to stumble. The soil of this field since Genesis 3 has been hard and dry as hard-hearted man will absolutely refuse the sharp blade of the till. But it will be cut, beloved. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and to the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of that hard heart we just mentioned. The field is intimidating and plays on the very doubts and fears we seek to put behind us daily. But it is our field. John 16, we referenced this morning, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. 
I have overcome the world. Thirdly, those sent are employed of God and not of man. And we see this in verses 5 through 16. A few times in our text we saw that phrase that I had mentioned, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. This is a mighty responsibility for the 70. Because remember, Jesus is telling the 70 at that point what they are to go and do. And really, the only word-for-word thing the Lord tells them to say is what to say to the cities that reject them and what to say into the cities that receive them. And both times, this is part of it. Check the text. To those that receive them and to those that reject them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you is part of their word-for-word response. I'm not saying they were to recite this like the Catholics recite the Our Father, like the Lord's Prayer, as they like to call it. But this is the sentiment that they were to deliver to those that received them and rejected them. The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. What did John the Baptist say in his ministry? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is nigh unto thee. When John the Baptist is imprisoned, what is the message? Scripture tells us the Lord Jesus Christ takes out unto the world. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven has come nigh unto thee. Saints of God in 2023, you can also say this message. Because everywhere you go, Christ is to go to. And everywhere you go, you are to bear this message. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is at hand or has come nigh unto thee. And I present unto you the gospel. That's the message. We aren't to go out and say, follow me, because we are not to follow other Christians, we're to follow Christ. We can go and tell others that Christ said, follow me, and we know he says it quite often. But the message he gave them to tell is that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. The desired response on our part is for them to say, where is it? It's near? It's close? Think of those who responded to Andrew. He's here? The Messiah is here? This was Andrew's message. He went to his brother. He went to the other disciples. We have found him. He is nigh. He is at hand. Come and let us rejoice with him. Your message, the Lord's true church, that has surpassed all understanding is still here in 2023. Despite man's best efforts to squash it like a bug, it is still here. They are still preaching the truth. They are still practicing as He has modeled. They still baptize and they still observe and they do this in remembrance of Him. And it's still happening. It's here in Mantachi, Mississippi. You should come and find it. There are those among us that say it at laundromats. There are those among us that hang it in camper doors. This is the message. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Come and see. Come and see. Have we given thought to the fact that this is also our charge? Consider the commission. Matthew 28. We'll look at that version. Matthew 28, verses 17 through 20. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. 
And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. There's so much in the Great Commission, so much in the Great Commission. But at the surface, we can observe the same authority that he sent those 70 is the same authority here. And it's now been confirmed with the cross. That is the one of the events that occurs between Luke 10 and Matthew 28 is Calvary. And he's back and he says, keep going, do this in remembrance of me. Keep going, teach as I have taught and observe all that I have taught you to observe. And tell with glad tidings every community that you know the Lord Christ Jesus and that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto thee. Think of that message. You are most blessed. The kingdom of God is here. The truth of God is in your community. The gospel is on my very lips. Do you now believe? They were sent and employed and empowered and never left to themselves to manage this work. The commission says he was with them always, even unto the end of the world, which means even now, this present day, even now he is with us always. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. The only ones he's not with. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, same audience, same writer, Paul, verse 9 through 17. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that is, than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved Yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So the believer is the temple of God, in what Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. So we can say with full confidence that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto them. The message of the temple, the message written on our souls is Jesus Christ. Believe and repent. Jesus Christ, the blood shall redeem. Jesus Christ, for who he calls, they shall answer. This is our only hope, beloved. Do we dare not share it with the world? Do we not go into the fields? And pray for more laborers. Fourth and lastly, the fruits are enjoyed as they glorify the Father. Verses 17 to the end of our text, verse 24. I just want to look again, though, at verse 17 through 20 as we get started. And the 70 returned again. And if you're still marking your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to mark the same things you were marking before. Right there in Luke 10, verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy. Stop. Where'd they return from? They were sent out as sheep among wolves. They just returned from being among wolves. And how did they return? 
with joy. They returned with joy. How could they have returned with joy? They were just sheep with wolves. They were in a dangerous place. They were with their shepherd. And he was with them. They went out to the field and found that Christ Jesus was still with them. And they returned with joy. Saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Why? Because he's with them. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Some things to clarify for the theologians among us. Christ Jesus has not yet been sacrificed on the cross. He's not necessarily with them in the person of the Holy Spirit. But he is with them still in the flesh, in the ministry, and he has empowered them through himself to do this work. How do we know that? Because he has all authority. In this same text, we saw him send them, him promise them, him employ them, and they found him in the field. It is wonderful that the 70 returned with joy and our Lord was not angry with that response. Think about that for a minute. How we carry ourselves sometimes might tell the world that our Lord and Savior is going to be really upset if we seem to enjoy time here. Is that not the message? That our, our smirks, our frowns, our heavy eyes, our droopy arms seems to convey? If the Lord Jesus sees me enjoy this place at all, He's not going to be happy. Can I reveal something to you? God created this earth. Those birds, if we were to open the doors, that would be chirping. He made them. The sunlight, flowers, the very grass, the lilies, other human beings, the emotions of joy and laughter, the rejoicing, the sadness, the sorrow, all these things He made. Now, yes, through sin, this creation has fallen and is dying. But He made it. Did he not make for us to enjoy anything here? I, for one, am exceedingly grateful because I have probably the greatest problem with sometimes looking sad, though I am happy. I don't appear like Justin Meyer as much as I should. I am exceedingly grateful that when they returned with joy, they were not smacked. They were not punished. They returned from a very dangerous work. One that is so dangerous and scary that those of us in this room likely have experienced and are frozen from ever giving a testimony because we're terrified of what the wolves will do. They returned with joy. His only correction was to not rejoice over the power they had over the enemy, but to rejoice over the victory they have in the Lord Jesus Christ. To not forget the source of that power. To not forget that it came from Him. Rejoice, He says, that they are chosen vessels. Romans 8, 37-39. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can serve and be glad about it and rejoice because none of that can hurt us. 
Break down tonight everything he covers in Romans 8, 37 through 39. Nothing does not fall outside those parameters. Everything is encompassed. That means nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Nothing. Again, rejoice, for this was not something we had power to do in and of ourselves. It wasn't something unlocked within us. It was something imputed upon us. That's deserving of rejoicing right there. Can we make God impute something upon us? Can we make God share His righteousness? Not any more than we can make Him share His blood. He did it free and willingly as a gift. That is grace. For we are saved by grace and not of works, lest we would boast, and we would. Rejoice over what is revealed to them. Consider verses 21-24 through of our text. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. Not only did they rejoice, he rejoiced and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight, all things are delivered to me of my Father. And no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. For I tell you, and many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Rejoice, beloved, for having merely a desire to see or hear those things was not enough to inherit them. That's what Jesus says here. There are many that would love to have the power you now have. They would love to have access to what you now have access to. But they do not. These fruits are only enjoyed by those for whom He was revealed. Praise the Lord. 